podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for the Thursday Whip Around Show. We got a great one for you all today. We have our guy, Drew Galloway of K-State Online. We're heavy on K-State Online today. So we got Drew Galloway with your K-State football primer. We got my guy, Spencer, from the 23 personnel, giving you the... Texas Tech Primer, Spencer Rogers from 23 Personnel. I think he's given us our Texas Tech Primer the last few years. One of my buddies over here at the Sports Drink Podcast Network. We got Philip Slavin, the main guy over at the 1012 Podcast, the head honcho of the 1012 Podcast Network, giving us our Big 12 Game of the Week preview between Baylor and and Oklahoma State. He's an Oklahoma State grad, so we'll see what his prediction is for this big game. Wildcat uh, Roundup is going to be a conversation between Grant Flanders and myself uh, tackling you know, the news of Michaela Rich's commitment to K-State, get a little scouting report on him, and then a little basketball talk. He and I chop it up a little bit. We'll have a lot more from Grant Flanders later in October when we really ramp up our basketball preview content. And then I will talk a little bit about K-State volleyball and soccer at the end of the show as well. It is a great one. I can't wait for you guys to listen. Know what else is great? Manhattan Brewing Company. If you want the best, the freshest, the most delicious beer in the entire state, head over to the tap room, get a couple pints, and then on your way out, grab a couple four-packs for your fridge. If you are shopping around the state of Kansas, if you're going into a liquor store and they don't have Manhattan Brewing Company in there, you tell them to get it because you want the best tasting the most delicious and truly some creative brews. You need it from Manhattan Brewing Company. I can't wait for this. All right, we are going to now kick it to my guy, Drew Galloway, and we're going to get this show on the road. What's up, everybody? My name is Drew Galloway, and I'm with K-State Online with On3, and I'll be doing the K-State Texas Tech Primer this week. You can follow me on Twitter, at Galloway underscore underscore Drew. Remember that all K-State fans can can subscribe to K-State Online for just $1 for the whole year. So coming into this game on Saturday, Kansas State is 3-1 with with a win over Oklahoma, but a loss to Tulane, just like we all predicted, right? Well, they're 3-1 and one with a win over the Oklahoma, where Adrian Martinez did his best Optimus Klein performance. 
on Saturday, combining for five total touchdowns and 382 yards of total offense. K-State's defense wasn't dominant at all times on or last Saturday, but they made enough key plays to secure the 41-34 win over the Sooners. Coming into the season, the Wildcats had aspirations for Arlington and to potentially get to the Big 12 championship game. And after the loss to Tulane, things were looking a little bit bleak on that front. But after beating Oklahoma, it seems as if anything is possible. This year, the Big 12 also has not made a lot of sense. And it seems like they're really lacking a true great team. And it seems like anybody can beat any team in any given week. So conference championship hopes are definitely still intact. So coming into this Saturday, I think the biggest storyline is if the offense can keep it going from a week ago. Kansas State struggled to move the ball consistently the first three weeks of the season, but then they moved the ball at will on Oklahoma, who was the best statistical defense that they had played all season. And then the Wildcats tallied 509 total yards of offense and 28 first downs. They were also very poor on third down against the Green Wave and turned that around by going 8 of 17 in the victory against the Sooners and also went 2 of 2 on fourth down. Another big storyline of this game is going to be the pace. Texas Tech is number one in the country, averaging 94 plays per game, so the Wildcats will have to get set quickly to be able to stop the Red Raider offense. Last week, Texas Tech ran over 100 plays of offense. So then for some key players for Kansas State, on offense it seems a little bit obvious, but Adrian Martinez has to play well for them to come out with the win. He was masterful against Oklahoma, but can he be consistent and do it again? He had issues with consistency at Nebraska, and it would be nice to see him come out and play two games well in a row because after last week he had one of the best performances from from a K-State quarterback in recent memory. On defense, is a little bit tougher because of how Texas Tech plays, but I think I'd have to say Julius Brintz is a key player for K-State to play well because Texas Tech really likes to throw the ball all over the yard, and he will be, te- he will be tested by the Red Raider quarterback Donovan Smith, who threw it over 50 times last week. So for some challenges that Texas Tech provides, number one is the pace, like I have said that I think that they could use their pace to try to get the Wildcats off balance and snap the ball without being set, or to give their athletes the best mismatch in space with linebackers and man coverage, like Oklahoma did a few times last week. Another thing that I think that Texas Tech might try to exploit is going forward on fourth down. Texas Tech went forward on fourth down eight times and then went over Texas last week and succeeded on six of those tries. It seemed like a little bit of fool's gold, that they converted that many times, but it won't just take third down stops to beat Texas Tech. You have to stop them also on fourth down. And it's also imperative that you are lined up properly and communicate well because of how fast Texas Tech will be running at, and there will be a lot of nonverbal communication from the Wildcat defense because of how loud the crowd has been at home this season. For my prediction, I will say that K-State wins the game 31-23. to I think that Adrian Martinez has another good game running and throwing the ball, and the Wildcats once again do just enough defensively to come out with a win and improve to 2-0 in conference play, setting up a big game under the lights in Ames against Iowa State next week. This has been Drew Galloway of K-State Online. Remember, all K-State fans can sign up to K-State Online for just $1 for the whole year. You can also follow me on Twitter, 
at Galloway underscore underscore Drew. Until next time. And thank you to Drew over at K-State Online. Now I'm going to shortly send it over to my buddy Spencer over at the 23 Personnel Podcast on the Sports Drink Network. Again, there's a lot of great Texas Tech podcasts out there. That is, This is definitely one of my favorites. Also a, f- a fan of my friends over at Tortillas and Takes over on the 1012 Network. But I got to say, my guys over at the 23 Personnel Podcast, I've been going back with them. I, I, I've jumped on their live shows. They've jumped on mine. He was on the 25th anniversary show back a couple years ago for the Big 12 25th anniversary. I tell you what, I, I think the world of Spencer, I think the world of their podcast, and I, I'm looking forward to you guys hearing what he has to say after Texas Tech sent Texas home crying after their big win last week down in Lubbock. We'll see what he has to say, and I will be chatting with you guys after we get back from talking to Spencer. Hey, this is Spencer with the 23 Personnel Podcast here to bring you a primer, a preview of the Texas Tech Red Raiders getting ready for the game this weekend up there in Manhattan. As most of you know, Texas Tech did win this past weekend versus the Longhorns 37-34 in overtime on a um, on a field goal there to, to basically walk it off. Texas Tech was able to do this, was able to win this game by controlling the big play. Bijan Robinson only rushed for about 100 yards. 40 of those yards came on one play, so really didn't allow him uh, to, to control the game. Didn't, didn't allow him to beat us. Neither did Hudson Carter Xavier Worthy, although Worthy did miss quite a bit of the game on an injury. Coming into the season, I think we were all looking at this Texas game as a way to measure the improvement of, of the Texas Tech team under new coach Joey McGuire. And I think so far this season, coming from just the, the concerns we had from game one to two and how they've been addressed and improved upon, I think people are trending a little bit higher than preseason expectations of five and seven or maybe six and six. We are hitting a tough stretch in our, our schedule. We did host a ranked Houston team, went on the road to a top 15 NC State. They're top 10 now. Did host a ranked Texas team. And then we've got, you know, obviously this game on the road there in Manhattan and the next week on the road in Stillwater before we hit our bye week. Second half of the schedule sets up nicely for us to recover. You know, even if we're at a three and three spot there, uh, we've got home games against Kansas, Baylor, West Virginia, and Oklahoma left. A neutral site at worst, Fort Worth game against the, the Frogs, and then um, November trip up to Ames. Storyline so far this year, obviously quarterback Tyler Shuck going out with a shoulder injury, the same shoulder he injured last season, has been the biggest one. We've relied on Donovan Smith. Uh, it's a young guy, still making you know his first season amount of games as a starter. He hasn't hit, you know, double digits as a starter just yet. Definitely coming along, but you'll see, you know, young guy like that still making young guy mistakes. And then linebacker depth. As this team has been much better improved defending the run, you really need the linebackers to be be healthy uh, and to be able to rotate in and out for that defense to hold up. 
couple guys to look out for on the defensive side. We'll start there first. Number one, Krishan Merriweather is a middle linebacker. It's the heart of the defense. He, he's been the, the best run defending linebacker we've seen here for quite some time. And then super disruptive up front, Tyree Wilson, number 19. Big impact player, especially in the passing game, being able to collapse the pocket and, and, and get pressure there on the quarterback sacks or allow the other defensive linemen to come through and, and either pressure the quarterback or, or, or get him down. Offensively, I'd point you out to number 28, running back Taj Brooks. He's more of our bruiser type of running back, a guy that we've seen have a lot of success late in games as Texas Tech has been running a lot of plays so far this season. That kind of physical running style really has helped the offense and helped his production there late as the defenses have been wearing down. And then in the passing game, number one, Miles Price. That inside receiver position for, for Zach Kittley has been key in his offenses before Miles Price is starting to, to show just how creative he can be in getting the ball in his hands. A couple of keys for Tex Tech to win this game. It's going to be continuing to slow down the run game. That's been the, the strength of this defense, shockingly, as Texas Tech has not had a good rush defense the past few years. have been really good up front. Do not allow explosive plays. As much as, as they have been committing resources to, to stopping the run, we need to make sure that we're not creating any kind of coverage lapses in the back end. We did see quite a bit of an improvement there from game one to two this season. As Murray State, our first opponent, was able to, to break off a lot of big, deep passes, address that versus Houston, and then moving forward. But we need to continue to make sure that we're playing sound on the back end and then to limit turnovers. The first couple of games with Donovan Smith as a starter, he's, he's thrown some interceptions, a couple of pick sixes, really hurt the offense and forced the defense to, to defend short fields. And then I think if Texas Tech is able to see, you know, games one through three, Adrian Martinez, I, I would say that Texas Tech has got a pretty good shot at this game. But if, you know, Martinez goes off in a performance like we saw in OU, you know, with 250 passing yards and 150 on the on the ground, I'd say that the OU game was not more of an outlier, but, but, but of a trend. Uh, and that Texas Tech just didn't, did not do well uh, defensively that game. And that it was probably a pretty handed, handily, um, Kansas State won this game pretty handily. A couple of things for Kansas State to look forward to to exploit possibly um, is beating the defensive backs deep. Uh, again, if if we're going to be committing to, to slowing down the rushing game, to containing you guys, not not letting you hold the ball for you know thirty five plus minutes, we need to be sound on the back end, not let not let you know things break down back there, and then keeping the front seven fresh, whether that's you know containing yardage picked up on first down, early downs being able to ro- rotate guys in and out, not letting you guys stay on the field for so long. But if, if, if you guys are able to do that, you're able to wear down the front seven, then I think you've got some some chances there. Score prediction, outcome prediction, I think, you know, if if we see more of a regression back to the first few games for Adrian Martinez and the way this, this defense has been playing, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. And I think that Tech Tech will cover. But I think if, if you know, Adrian Martinez is, is more on the on a trajectory that started off with the OU game, then I think this one can get plus 10 or so. So give me Texas Tech to cover, possibly to, to, to win outright if, if things go right and they're able to limit not only the running game, but to control their own turnovers, possibly force a couple turnovers of their own. Uh, I, I think they can, they can hang in this game. But being this is only the second road game this season and the first road game just didn't go well, especially offensively, uh, I, I need to see it first before I can fully commit to a Texas Tech victory. But... If you want to hear the rest of our preview, go ahead and come check us out. 23 Personnel Podcast. It's me, Spencer, and my host, Michael. We'll get you guys uh, all ready for this game. Appreciate you guys having me on, and 
I want to make sure everybody stays healthy and guns up. Thank you again to Spencer. Again, if you are trying to get behind enemy lines, check out 23 Personnel and everything that Spencer has going on. I I love hanging out with Spencer. Again, he's come on a bunch of our live shows. I've gone on a bunch of theirs. It is one of my favorite podcasting friendships that I have developed over the last five years, close to five years doing this show. Another one of my favorites, and again, we're, we're Facebook official with them as well. Ever since they came over to the Sports Drink Podcasting Network, I have enjoyed getting even more involved with the 10-12 Network. I got something special for you guys. It is the man who created the network and the host of the flagship show, the 10-12 Pod. That is Philip Slavin. He is getting everyone ready for the Big 12 game of the week. That is Oklahoma State Baylor. Again, if if, if us K State fans are starting to dream about Arlington, if we're if we're looking at Arlington, this is a big one because at least one of the fellow contenders for that championship game appearance is going to take an L today. Or not today, but on Saturday. He's an Oklahoma State grad, so let's see what Philip Slavin has to say for this Big 12 Game of the Week. This is Philip Slavin of the 1012 Podcast, flagship show of the 1012 Network, of which this show, Bosco's Boys, and our friend Scott are a part of. Very excited to talk about this week's Game of the Week, the 10-12 Big 12 Game of the Week. It is the rematch of last year's Big 12 title game down in Waco. The Baylor Bears welcoming the Oklahoma State Cowboys for a big ranked showdown. This should be a good one. should be an exciting one. It should definitely be a close one. Two of the projections that I have seen that I respect a lot, Rob Bowron, Beta Rank on Twitter, has Oklahoma State with a 55% chance to win the spread of OSU by 1.22. Our good friend Parker Fleming, Stats of War on Twitter, has this one with Baylor having less than a point advantage over Oklahoma State. I think the Vegas line at this point is about 2.5 points Baylor, which on a neutral site would basically be a pick because home field gets a three-point advantage. This should be a close one. This should be a good one. Spencer Sanders, Blake Shapin, two of the best head coaches in the Big 12, Mike Gundy and Dave Aranda going at it. I think this game is going to come down to a few things. Can the Oklahoma State defensive line get to Blake Shapin? Can they put pressure on Blake Shapin? When he has been clean, he's had a clean pocket, he's been very, very effective. When he's been under pressure, when defensive line's been able to get to him, they rattle him. The offensive line for Baylor has not been as great as we expected. I'm not saying they're not good, they're not as great as we expected. The Oklahoma State defensive line, very, very good. How do Oklahoma State's linebackers handle the Baylor run game? Now, it feels like 45, who is our Oklahoma State show, had some great points on that matchup. Oklahoma State's linebackers, I know there's a lot of talk about OSU's defensive backfield. I think the safeties and corners are improving the linebackers. Look, when you're replacing Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper, two guys currently in the NFL, you're going to see a little bit of a step back. Are they able to control Baylor's very inefficient and okay run game? 
On the flip side, Oklahoma State's run game has struggled so far this season. Meanwhile, Baylor has not allowed an opponent to get 100 yards on the ground yet. If OSU can't get the run game going, that's going to put more pressure on Spencer Sanders. That is the Spencer Sanders who last season, in 14 games, threw 12 interceptions. Seven of those came against Baylor. Seven. I think that's what this game is going to come down to. Who protects their quarterback the best? Which quarterback doesn't make the most mistakes? And whose run game is the most effective? This should be a fantastic game. And a game that I think can have real impact on the Big 12 title game. It's early. It is early in the season. Baylor already 1-0 in conference play. Oklahoma State playing their first conference game in the season. They were off last week. They went 3-0 in non-conference play. This is a huge one because I do think this is a situation where the winner of this game, maybe they both make it back to Arlington, but I feel like this is a situation where the winner of this game has a better chance of getting there than the loser does. A lot of football still to be played. This one should be very, very exciting. I am thrilled to watch it. It's a whole slate of really good games in the Big 12 this weekend. I think it's a great slate of Big 12 games. But this is the one that we decided this is our game of the week. And for this week's Wildcat Roundup, and again, thank you to our friends over at 23 Personnel for giving the Texas Tech primer. And thank you to our friends over at the 1012 Network, my guy Philip, giving us the Big 12 Game of the Week primer. But now it's time for Wildcat Roundup, and men's and women's basketball started practice this week. So I thought... Before I talk about volleyball and soccer at the end of this, I need to get my guy Grant Flanders, a.k.a. Flando, a.k.a. the guy who knows more about K-State basketball than any of you do. That's a long nickname. But I wanted to get Flando in here so I could ask him a couple (laughs) quick questions as basketball starts practice up. First off, before anything, Flando, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, man. Always a good time when I get to sit down with you uh, through the uh, Zoom screens. Yes, for sure. If if you weren't uh, so, you know, uh, you know, a city dweller, move out to the suburbs like me, you, you could maybe uh, move in next door. I've I've had, uh, I think five houses go up for sale in my neighborhood and sold. Okay. So, I mean, my 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 uh, neighborhood's booming. So, if you and your uh, wonderful girlfriend want to come out to the suburbs, you know, my my neighborhood has great value. I'm sold. Jesus. I'm already sold. I think, you know, <laughs> set up shop, put the sign out there, put sold up one of the houses. Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it's a good time out here. So first off, another big recruiting win for Jerome Tang and the staff, Michaela Rich uh, from East St. Louis, which is on the Illinois side of the border. It's kind of funny how Missouri, their two major cities are basically like split with two other states. I think that's kind of funny, but hey, whatever. What can you tell us about Mikhail Britch? Just kind of give us a mini scouting report on the kid. Uh, I think he's a, a really solid pickup for this, this staff that, you know, found him later in the process along with the other two teams that really wanted him in Ole Miss and Mizzou. Um, I mean, Dennis Gates obviously is a newer coach and obviously so is Jerome Tang and his staff. So they got in on him, you know, middle of the summer, um, you know, and, it was love at first sight with a kid that has the athleticism that rich has, which is exceptional athleticism, especially at his size. Cause he's a bulky kid. 
He's not, you know, long and wiry and athletic. He's bulky and also packs a lot of athleticism. So he has both strength and a, a lot of bounce. He likes to play above the rim. And that's what I think his best quality is going to be right away when he uh, gets to campus next year. It's going to be him being able to uh, get on the floor early and often with his athleticism more so than his skill set. His skill set's fine, but that's something that's going to need to be developed through a year or so um, of just college development. And because he could work on, you know, getting a smoother jumper, although his numbers in the high school ranks has been talked about a bunch has uh, was solid. He, he shot the ball well from deep and he has some skills because uh, he played a lot of guard early on in his high school career. So he has those skills and he's, he sits in the, I think, you know, six, five to six, seven range. I think somewhere around that area is where he sits with a, you know, big bulky frame and athleticism. So there's really a lot to like with what he brings to the table. I think uh, in the paint is going to be where I like him the most um, slashing to the rim um, as opposed to shooting. But I think that's something he can develop as and become a, th- a three phase scorer because he has the he has the ability to add that to his game, but we'll see if it, it gets there. And then defensively, I think his athleticism will help him also in the paint, blocking shots, um, you know, and then also staying in front of guys. I think his speed is is underrated for for what he's going to be playing at the college level, which is more of the the wing and the four. So I think uh, he's a he's a really good pickup. Something that somewhat someone that Mizzou and Ole Miss really wanted yeah so speaking to that uh at one point in his recruitment he called old or mizzou his dream school um also is pretty well documented old miss when he made his visit to oxford mississippi put the full-on blitz and then right on his commitment day they came in and tried to stop him from committing to k-state they wanted him super badly so that's a win over two SEC schools and again uh, with with Kermit down at Ole Miss you know one that I think some folks think up on the rise and then this is another head-to-head recruiting win with Dennis Gates after you know he, he got off to the hot start in the portal seems like K-State's been able to uh, take care of business going head-to-head with some high school kids how was K-State able to win this recruiting battle going up against two schools that uh, were in on them beforehand and again truly did the full blitz to try to get them uh, I would, it had to have been relationships is what it came down to from, uh, Michaela Rich. He really, uh, allowed that to play the largest part in his recruitment because he wasn't going to allow Ole Miss's McDonald's bag to sway him <laughs> in the, 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 the high school gym of Rich as he's making the announcement to, or before he's about to make the announcement to be a Kansas state wildcat that didn't sway him. So I have to think Jareem Dowling obviously gets a bunch of credit for just, you know, building a great relationship. Um, Also Jerome Tang. And, you know, I don't know the details, but I'm also sure that they also have a competitive NIL deal that they were able to offer Rich to, you know, not, I mean, that's the thing is K-State's going to compete in that realm and will only get better and better the longer that they're here. I do believe that, but um I think first and foremost, it was just relationships because he had a lot of opportunities getting thrown his way. Mizzou, like you said, was his, his dream offer that, you know, real hometown school, probably the closest power five school to where he grew up. 
Um, besides, I guess I don't know how close he was to Illinois. Um, St. Louis far. is like almost equidistant between the two, I think. Okay. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, same difference. And Illinois didn't come after him. So, Mizzou's obviously a dream offer for him. Um, and, yeah. So, I, I think it, it did come down to the fact that we know how good the staff is already at building relationships. And that's what they did with with Rich. We saw it with the Day-Day Ames. We saw it with RJ. Relationships were so key in those those recruitments and allowed them to fend off big hitters because the big hitters came for all three of them. And Rich is obviously the the least ranked out of the three commits now in the class. But I think he will, he's on the rise. He's a rising senior. I think he could get a fourth star by some re- recruiting services, including on three. Um, but that remains to be seen if they'll, they'll pull the trigger on that. I think he deserves it. He's got the athleticism and he's a, he's a good basketball player. Yeah, I think on three, if, if I'm looking at the rankings correctly, have them right there on kind of the edge of uh, three and four star. Over on 247, they have him as the number three player in Illinois. So at least with 247, it has the number one and number three player in the state of Illinois yep. coming down to Manhattan, Kansas. So that's exciting. Um, before we, uh, you know, sign off and move off into the other sports, I do want uh, to ask two questions because practice just yeah. kicked off and, and I'll have you on here in a couple of weeks for a full kind of basketball preview here in the month of October, but uh, practice has started up. We've seen the first couple practices. We've seen the videos put out um, the shark week video. I, I don't know about that, but you know, uh, I, I like seeing the videos of the shoes, all that type of stuff. Great behind the scenes stuff, but we are still waiting on the final member of the team to show up. And that's Desi yeah. Sills. He made sure everyone on Instagram saw him put up the EMA hashtag. And it sounds like the plan is still to get to Manhattan, but he still has not arrived, at least to my knowledge. What's the latest with uh, Mr. Sills? Uh, You know, as of today, I heard from a source that he's still on track. Um, So that's encouraging today, Wednesday, September 28th. He's still on track to who knows, but that's still an unknown. Unfortunately, it's still unknown when he's going to get to campus and it's still a for sure unknown of whether or not he's going to be able to play the first, you know, first semester of, of basketball, you know, November. And when does the semester end? Uh, end of December? Yeah, like December 20th, I believe. Yeah. So, which, you know, would only be like a, a month and a half of missed basketball or so. So it's not like the end of the world but they do they do want him they still they say he's still on track uh, there's uh, sources within the program say he's still on track so hopefully that that's still um gonna happen obviously like you you brought it up i honestly forgot about the thing he put up on instagram that i took to twitter um to show people that he's still obviously email <laughs> he's still putting email out there he's still um i think going to be a member uh of the team in some facet, whether that means he plays right away or he plays second semester, regardless, he'll be valuable to this team, whatever happens. But right now that's when it's set for it's too bad. He's not on campus right now though, because he is missing good practice time until then. And it, and it just comes down to um, if, if you don't know the story about it, he's uh, finishing up classes at Arkansas state still. And that's something that I think uh, you would think it's probably getting, finished up here soon and um 
he ha- he should have a chance to get on campus and start eight week courses. Uh, but what's the date on that again? The eight week courses. I mean, it's uh, uh, October fifth, like this upcoming or third. October third. <laughs> so upcoming Monday. So if he's not on campus within the next week, you can probably you probably bet on him uh, just playing second, second semester. semester. Yep. But like I said, as of today, still hearing that it's on track. Like that's the literal words that are being used on track. What that means exactly is still up for debate, but I think that means that they hope he's on campus um, and is able to play the whole entire season. All right. So gun to your head without Sills, without Desi, what is your starting lineup game one? That wasn't um, on the outline, so I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, I I mean, it's not that difficult because I know Noel is still going to start. I'll just throw out the starters that I think we're going to start regardless. Noel, I've, I've jumped on the Tomlin bandwagon now, so I'm on there. Um, Keontae Johnson, obviously. Oh, and then um, I got – I think Iola starts over uh, Colbert. I think Colbert comes off the bench. And then – so it's really going to be the two guards going to be either between uh, Cam Carter or Tyke Green. I love me Cam Carter, but I think he might be more valuable coming off the bench. So I, I, I'd put Green as the starter if Sills isn't able to to make it. Yep, and, and I think Cam Carter is going to be a guy who's going to be someone who fills in at the one and the two. So I, that's, I agree. And that's I think, why I think, yeah. I think he might be more valuable coming off the bench. All right, uh, final question before we uh, – you know, this is just a little taste of uh, yeah. some basketball preview. Again, like I said, we will have a – big basketball preview with Flando during the football bye week, uh, which just so happens to drop or be right, you know, two weeks before uh, the season starts. So either you can either answer this one way or the other, because I don't know if anything's leaked out of practice, but if, if anything has leaked out of practice yet, what have you been hearing? And then if nothing has come out, that's really scoopy, any nuggets or anything like that, what are like one or two things you're really going to have your ear to the ground hoping to hear? Well, I did put it out on the board yesterday. Um, I just threw it in some random thread too. I think we're some random basketball thread. So if someone found that nugget, that's great. Uh, but, and it's really no surprise, but Keontae Johnson has really impressed this first, you know, few, this first week so far practices. Um which, I mean, I guess a few weeks ago, there were some sources out there saying that he's coming along, coming along a little slow. Uh, but that may have just been, you know, when he first got on campus. And I think it didn't take long for him to acclimate. And now all of a sudden, I think at practices, he's uh, probably proving that he's one of the best players in the gym right now in Manhattan. Um, so there, there's that tidbit. And then, I mean, as far as things that I want to just uh, – keep my head to the ground is make sure Naquan Tomlin is still progressing um, to be the player that so many keep talking about him that he, he could be, um, which I, I do believe he has a chance to. Um, I just want to hear, you know, good things about him um, in practices. And then um, I guess one, one other thing I'd like to hear about is what's up with uh, David and Gessen because that's a guy that doesn't get talked about much. Is he going to have a big role this season? Um, He's got some experience at the high major level. So is he going to be someone that they can rely on um, on both ends of the floor? Those will be the two things I think I'll look at. You know, I really want to know how 
how key will those wings be? I think Tomlin will be key, but it will in guessing be really pushing for playing time. Yeah, that will be something interesting to see. Um, because again, you, you know, Tomlin is a guy who has very little basketball experience. And uh, you got to think there's going to be some games where he may not be effective, may get in foul trouble here up at this higher level, trying to guard, yeah. you know, power five type guys. So, you know, either having David uh, figure it out, whether it's, you know, ish having to play a little bit more and, you know, playing quote unquote big with having, you know, Keontae Johnson having to play the three. Uh, are you going to go small with, you know, Cam Carter coming in there with, the, with you know, Tyke Green playing the three? It's going to be interesting yeah. to see what happens. You know, is Desi going to have to – I think there's a lot of combinations. That's something that, you know, for those early games, you know, I, I was looking at the schedule. I'm like, well, damn. Okay, you know, I'm going to have to, like, find a cafe in Manhattan to work from home from so I can get out to some of these games. And I'm interested. I, I, I think mm-hmm. that – even that, you know, exhibition game, it's just like, all right, we're going to see some rotations. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm putting this out there. This is Scott saying this, not Grant. You know, the whole r- rumors around the Keontae Johnson, how many games he can play before the insurance, you know, yeah. runs out. Like, if it's truly like the whole eight games, like it's been rumored, okay, yeah. like, I'm going to be watching carefully. Is there any games he takes off? Like, and how are they going to spin that? Because I'll say this. If he doesn't play in like that first game, they'd say, oh, it's like load management. They're trying to do all this. That's going to make me worried that maybe he's like, eh, I don't know if I want to play in 10 games. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun and interesting and kind of edge of your seat type of, uh, you know, questions and stuff going on early on in the season. I can't wait for basketball. Football, lots of fun. Like that Oklahoma game, amazing. But I am pumped for basketball. I am too. And if there's one thing, I understand when people ask the question, but I also feel like there's an answer to it. Um, when people on Twitter want to ask the question, because they see Dr- Jerome Tang do all these amazing things with students and stuff, and they're like gobsmacked. Oh, my gosh, he's such an, uh, a great person. But then they still throw in the, into the tweet, uh, but can he coach basketball? Oh, if he's able to coach basketball, then I'm going. then this guy is going to be the greatest thing in Manhattan. I don't know. I think he's already kind of proven to me that he can coach basketball just by the little videos that the, that they like to put out on K-State basketball, his, how he speaks to players, how he speaks um, to anyone he speaks to uh, that guy's a coach at heart. Um, It's it's what the question is whether he can actually bring guys in, which it seems like he's doing um, both coaches and players. But I mean, there's a lot of question marks around this, this season exactly but I don't think it's whether he can coach I think it's can these guys play basketball and mesh together I think he's I know he's not (laughs) he's not um proven as a head coach of any sort but he proved at Baylor that he can coach and I think he's going to prove it at K-State as well for sure and 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 to that I, I think every time there is a new coaching hire it's a spin of the roulette wheel we have seen so many hires that people think, oh, this is a no doubt home run hire, and it turns out to be trash. We've seen so many where people are like, ah, no way this works, and it turns out to work well. Um, so I, I, I'm excited. I, I can't yeah. wait to see it and kind of put put some of this to bed because again, if he can make this team that had only two returning players. And then he, you have 11 newcomers plus new walk-ons plus the only like 
quote unquote coach who was held over because you know Bailey's still there, Tom Gilbert's yeah. still there. There's some other people on like the administrative side still there, but Curtis Kelly, the only holdover coach wise, it's as close to a total one year rebuild exactly that we've almost ever seen I, although who was the lsu lost every single player that they had like that was like every single player uh, mm-hmm. so that's pretty wild but still uh if, if drone tang can get us to the ncaa tournament this year which i i once we grab keontai johnson awesome. i'm like we're, we're going we're going dancing but if he does this with that big of a turnaround i i don't think k-state fans should ever have to think all right we're not going to the tournament this year I, th- I think those days are gone yeah no i mean <laughs> he very well could turn into i mean we'll, we'll see that's the thing is i don't know how far he's gonna take it but this the, year will be an big interesting 12 will be nasty big 12 is gonna be nasty oh so. it's, that's the thing big 12 basketball is always nasty uh top to bottom always nasty and that's why it's gonna be always tough i mean hell case eight basketball again not to like kind of go through the the Bruce Weber stuff again. But the last three years, K-State near the cellar, in the cellar every yep. single year. But we were up by like 20 on KU at home. We beat, a, you know, a top like 10 ranked Oklahoma, you know, with Mike McGurl's original senior night. We've we've seen, you know, I was team was that team was on the bubble until they lost yeah, the last five games. Exactly. <laughs> like we like and, it, and this team is better. This team this year is better on paper. One hundred percent. And again, even those even those Bruce Weber teams, you put any of those teams in the Pac twelve. Now the Pac twelve is trash, so you might not be in the NCAA tournament because you're not getting a bunch of quality wins, you know, in conference play. But if you put yeah. the last three Bruce Weber teams in the Pac twelve, they're probably finishing fifth or higher in the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's that's just the depth that's in the Big 12. So, again, I think big things are coming for this basketball program. But, I mean, the Big 12 is a beast. So, it, 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 it will is. be kind of, all right, you know, you can go to Cal, you know, in the second mm-hmm. game of the season and win that. Like, that'll be exciting. If you take care of business first, Wichita and Nebraska, yeah. that will all be exciting. We, I don't, I'm not predicting it, but we could go undefeated in non-con. But it won't yeah. be until, you know, about February until you really figure out what type of team that you have. Yeah. Because every night in the Big 12 is a full-on war. And I that's the thing. is, And in this first year, I know people might not want to believe me when I say it, but the, the, I, I don't have high expectations for uh, – like the, not like concrete high expectations for this, for this team for year one under Tang. Like, yes, I do think they can do really well, but if they don't – I'm not going to if, – if for some reason they only win six or seven games in the league, I'm not going to – That might be enough that. to get them to the tournament. It, it might. That's the thing. That's a, that's a good point. I shouldn't even 18 say – 18 and we're because... in. 18 and we're in. <laughs> I love it. Bring it back. <laughs> uh, no, I hear it. No, that's the thing. But my point that I'm trying to get at is Tang, to me, is going to be a, a good basketball coach, but he doesn't also need to – world beat in year one for me to think that as well like he could have some hiccups in this first year with a whole new turnaround like you explained and a whole different team um that's why i do think the ending of this first season could probably be better than the beginning because you start to actually get into more of a groove the longer you're with the team and building things up i mean um but it, it it should be fun things he hasn't even been in manhattan for more than what six months is it <laughs> 
Has it been six months yet? Uh, just March. that six months? Yeah, just, six just months. Just around March. there. So, yeah, it's going to be wild. But that's all we have. We will have a full in-depth conversation with Grant Flanders here in a couple weeks to preview the season. Before we go, you mentioned it, KSO over on On3. I think the $1 promotion is still running. So if you're not, yeah. if you don't have it, you guys better get there. Get uh, you know, of course, doing football, but what sort of basketball coverage you guys have around the corner? Uh, you know, just continuing to cover your, your guy, the Kansas State Wildcats as good as we can. They got two, um, Visitors coming this weekend, 2023 point guard Cam Cameron Carr and 2024 center four-star uh, Patrick Ngongba. Ngongba, I think, is going to be high priority. Um, I think uh, Carr, Carr's up in the air. I think, you know, they're going to have him on campus, and I think they do, you know, want him. But it's not – It's they have three guys in the class already, and I don't think Tang is, is dying – to you know continuing to add more unless he knows they're the right guy so we'll see what happens with that um but they'll both be on campus which is exciting so we'll have coverage of that and you know just keep keep our ear on the ground trying to figure out who else is going to be visiting in the upcoming uh game days for football because it's always fun to see them out there and see tang really uh show up for the students because the cool thing about that when he's up there with the students doing all that cool stuff leading chance the recruit gets to see that like when he when he was doing that that Michaela uh Michaela Rich got to see uh the his you know now his future coach do that with the students which probably I bet you if you asked him also uh specifically about that moment he would tell you that that impacted you know showing him the type of person and program he's entering so yeah that's the type of stuff that you can expect well i love it i love talking to grant flanders and again we're gonna have him on in a couple weeks to do a full basketball preview because we're gonna have like i think five straight episodes talking basketball again I'm working on something, my friends. I'm working on something to maybe have an explosive show or two that basketball week. So I'm working on it. Explosive. It could be, if it happens, if it happens, Grant, it could be the most downloaded show in the history of Bosco's Boys, if I can make it happen. That's all I'm going to say because I don't want to get people's hopes up and then disappoint. Currently, the Jacob Poland show is the biggest show we've ever seen. If I have things my way during that bye week after Iowa State, I will break the download record for an episode. Wow. So stay tuned. I love it. Don't even need uh, Bluetooth for that one. <laughs> no, you don't. Well, that's all we have. We're going to kick it to myself, who's going to talk about uh, K-State volleyball and soccer before we end this whip around. So, for Grant Flanders, this is Scott Wild. Yeah, you guys will be hearing me in like 32 seconds. All right, and we are going to wrap up this whip around show. Now I'm going to talk real quick about the K-State volleyball and soccer teams. We're going to start with volleyball because that's where I, I really have uh, – a lot of passion, a lot of, and quite frankly, a, a little bit of frustration with this squad. We, I, we I, it's frustrating because here is this team that made it to the NCAA tournament last year. They were bringing back your star players 
with Mackenzie Morris and Aaliyah Carter. You brought in some big-time transfers. The, the best player on this team right now is Baca, who is a transfer who came in. And you have Hinkle, who has transitioned to being setter and, quite frankly, playing pretty well. So you have some of the biggest question marks answered, and some and, and they're the best players on this team, yet you're still not finding a way to win games that are going to help you get back to the NCAA tournament. K-State lost in five to KU after going down 0-2 to start things on Saturday. They battled back, got the, two, uh, the, the next two sets, but lost in five at home. Then you go to Texas Tech and get swept, 0-3. Now, this is a Olympic team, a non-revenue team, whatever you want to call it, where they have invested in their currently building one of the best volleyball arenas in the entire country. You have some bona fide superstars, granted, Aaliyah Carter is not performing up to this consensus uh, all-Big 12, unanimous preseason all-Big 12 level. Not playing up to the all-American level. She's not playing up to that. But you have the superstars. You're getting the investment. And we are now staring down an 0-5 record versus any team that has any sort of shot at making postseason play. Probably 0-6. So the only teams we are beating are teams that are not going to help your postseason resume. You are putting yourself behind the eight ball to try to get back to the NCAA tournament, which should have been the goal for this team. I'm not someone who thinks that, you know, the volleyball team's ever going to be competing for national titles. And honestly... I don't know if they're ever going to be capable of getting back to that Big 12 championship type level, which we saw under Susie Fritz at the peak. And I think there is a set of loyalty towards Susie Fritz for all the good years to give her a shot at recruiting, at coaching with this new arena. But if you're willing to go to the donors to build what will be one of the Taj Mahals in college volleyball for a volleyball-specific arena. And this isn't a, you know, like at Nebraska where they took over the Devaney Center where they used to play basketball and fill it up. It's not like Creighton. You know, some of these places that, hey, yes, they they have the fan support to put in, you know, 9,000 folks night in, night out. I understand those are different situations. But you are getting your own specific arena with practice facilities, it's going along with the Olympic training facilities, which is great. I, I love that K-State donors are stepping up and donating to this level. But if you're going to have this sort of investment in facilities, I think it is time to start expecting a little bit more on the court. So I have a lot of frustrations seeing anytime we've gone up against a squad with a pulse hanging another L on us. I'm a bit I I love watching volleyball. Volleyball is probably my third favorite collegiate sport to watch. And it is frustrating to see anytime you're going up against a team that has any sort of level of athlete that you're going up against 
in losing every single time. Now, are we going to be able to put up enough Big 12 wins to sneak into the NCAA tournament again? We might. We might be able to. But you're going to be depending on the Big 12 being a 6 or 7 bid league. I don't know if it is going to get to that point. You need to turn around and take care of business in Bramlage on Sunday versus Iowa State. That's a 3.30 tip-off. It's going to be on ESPNU. This is, I believe, the only game that is going to be on traditional television. And it's versus a team that is supposed to be right there at the top of the Big 12. If you want to turn this season around, if you want to reverse the course that this has started at, if you want to get your first resume type of win, you have to get it done on Saturday. Because if you don't get that win versus Iowa State on Saturday, all of a sudden you are staring down the barrel of almost no real shot to have viable shots at resume building wins. Because quite frankly, Texas is in a whole other galaxy. I don't have a lot of confidence you're going to be able to split with Baylor. You don't take care of business versus Iowa State at home. Honestly, splitting at Iowa State at KU later in the season and coming close to sweeping the bottom of the Big 12, this is going to be another you know fall winter at home only with one NCAA appearance in the last handful of years. So I'm getting, I'm very disheartened. I I came into this volleyball season with a lot of hope. um, And and I'm just not seeing it. Now, totally different expectations. Totally different expectations. uh, But the soccer team grabbing a point at Iowa State and only losing by one goal, one to nil versus Oklahoma State, was a step forward. Now, I think the soccer team feels hard done. They went up against a very hot goalkeeper who kept everything out of the net. I think the soccer team walked away from that draw with Iowa State very disappointed, not getting all three points. But they have to feel a, a pretty good going down to the wire, only down one goal, had a chance to get points from Oklahoma State. You had to feel good about that because they're again one of the top teams in the pro in the Big 12. Now Friday on ESPN Plus they have TCU for the Socktoberfest. So if you want to drink a couple beers, want to hang out, check out that game versus TCU. I don't have a lot of high expectations for that one. I don't. Uh, I I would imagine that if you could somehow grit out a zero zero, a nil nil draw, or a one one draw. That would be one of the biggest results that this team has had in the history of their program. TCU is number 12 in the nation, and they're going to be a player late in postseason making a run towards, they're probably not national uh, title contender good, but they are good. So that game's going to be on ESPN Plus on Saturday, or excuse me, ESPN Plus on Friday, 7 p.m., so if you want to check that out, make sure you're watching. And if you're in Manhattan, this Oktoberfest, get some German food, get some German beer, get a K-State Pilsner glass. You will enjoy it. That's all we have for the whip around. Let me know. Uh, tell if, if if you want to tweet at me at Scott Wildcat. Tell me to chill out. Get give the volleyball squad a little bit more time. 
please do. I'm more than willing to to have folks talk me off of this ledge. Uh, but but it's it was a very very disappointing 0 and two start to Big Twelve play, especially not grabbing any of those possible resume games in the non conference. Let me know your prediction. Do you think the soccer team is going to be able to find a way to postseason play to the Big 12 tournament for the first time in program history? And then let me know, am I wrong? Do, are, are you guys at the point where you're saying, hey, I, I don't care. As long as we have nice facilities, as long as everything looks good, you're okay with it. Or do you think it's time to really start pushing to start seeing a little bit better results from the non-revenue sports? Let me know. Tweet at me, at Scott Wildcat. I'm more than willing to be told I am wrong. But that is all we have. Again, we'll have the live show in your RSS feed tomorrow talking K-State versus Texas Tech. We heard all the great primers from Drew, Spencer, your Grant Flanders and myself talking. We heard our guy Philip Slavin talk about the Big 12 game of the week. So we love you guys and go Cats. Podcast Network.